Ladies and gentlemen, I want to speak to um, a man who is a Labour man through and through. Politics are very important to him in his life. Um, he is downtown. He is a champion of the private business sector and believes and realises how important it is. I was talking to him the other day. He'd spent some time with um, uh, Tony Blair. And I wanted to talk to him about Brexit. So he said, can I come on the show? And I said, I'd love you to come on the show and talk about it. Hiya, Frank. Hi, Pete. Good to speak to you. So, Frank McKenna, you've got a very strong view about Brexit. We were talking about it, and you said there should be another referendum. I said my listeners wouldn't like that at all because there's already been a referendum. Uh, so how many do we have to go on and on and on? The platform's yours. Well, I think that's a great point, Pete, that we've had a referendum in 2016, and so therefore people might well say, how many times do we have a referendum? The only thing I'd say to that is... That in 2016, I don't care whether you voted leave or, as I did, remain, you cannot say that the facts that were given out during that campaign from the leave side and perhaps from the remain side too were accurate. And I think that two years later, the vast majority of people in this country are much better informed to make a decision as to whether leaving the European Union is a good thing or a bad thing. We know there's not a dividend for the NHS. We know immigration isn't going to go down. It's just that immigrants are going to come from other parts of the world. And we know that austerity isn't going to end if we leave the European Union. So the very things that people were saying to me, this is why we're voting to leave the European Union, Frank, are the very things that we now know are not going to happen. Now, in that particular instance, my view is simple. Prime Minister's been negotiating for two years. She's come back with a deal that not only doesn't satisfy the Remain side, it doesn't satisfy the Leave side either. Parliament is basically deadlocked. They don't know which way to go. So we're either going to say, let's have paralysis for the next two, three, four years, whilst this thing is sorted out by the politicians. Let's Theresa May's deal go through, which everybody says is a bad deal, whichever side of the fence you're on here, or we say to the people of this country, look, you now know the facts. We're going to hand it back to you. You tell us what you want us to do. And I think that's the only way out of what has become a chaotic mess. We are, Pete, and you will know this because you travel abroad as well, a laughing stock. And whatever troubles and tribulations that we've had in the past in this country, I've never gone abroad and been as embarrassed as I am at this moment in time. Because, as I say, we've become a laughing stock. Right. You're a businessman, a very successful businessman. You know what you're talking about. Tell me one thing, though. I'm no fan of Theresa May, but whatever the deal is and whatever and whoever does the deal, 27 countries are not going to give us a good deal because you know, or am I wrong, that it's all going to fall apart. So if we get a good deal, it's going to destroy the whole thing anyway. Or am I wrong? Well, I think this is a great point that you make, Pete, because wasn't it the Leave campaign that was saying this is going to be the easiest deal ever? This is going to be the most easy deal to deliver to the people of Britain because the European Union will be desperate to keep the United Kingdom, Kingdom as a close partner. Now, we know that's a lie as well, so we can add that to the list of th the three lies that I mentioned earlier. But again, what I would say to you is this. Theresa May has not come back and said this is the most fantastic deal that 
anybody will ever be able to produce. What she said is, this is the best deal I can negotiate. And again, I think what people like Tony Blair and right through to Jeremy Corbyn, in fact, probably Boris Johnson as well would say, is, well, if we'd have been negotiating this deal, we wouldn't have started from where you started, which was, let's exit the European Union and then start to talk about a trade deal. Well, once we've exited peace, we've got nothing. We've got no votes. We've got no veto. The European Union have got no reason for us to be a close partner once we've exited anyway. So it was a bad manoeuvre on her part two years ago when she triggered Article 50 to say, and by the way, we're not going to uh, talk about trade until after we've left the European Union. That was just daft. However, we are where we are. So what I would say to you is that, of course, a better deal is on the table. And what that better deal is, is for us to take what is commonly known as the Norway option. So it's called, I think it's EFTA of the initials, but it's basically a common market, which Britain was involved in, in fact, helped set up pre our entry into the European uh, Union. So we could go back into the common market, and the European Union would be quite happy for us to do that in the same way that Norway, Switzerland, and Lithuania, I think it's Liechtenstein, right. I think they're the three countries that are in there, there's a couple of others as well, and we could trade with virtually little or no impact on our economy or on our businesses. However, what we would have to accept is free movement, which basically means we continue to have European immigrants into our country, and we, of course, can go and work and live in their countries. Now, again, I would suggest that two years ago, people were very, very, very concerned, and in my opinion, misled about the issue of immigration. And I think lots of people voted to come out of the European Union on the basis that we would see a decrease in the immigration numbers. As I've said, that's not the case you will have an increase in immigration, or at least the same level of immigration. It's simply that immigrants will be coming from other parts of the world, from Africa, from India, from China, so on and so forth. Again, only instinct, but I would suggest that if we went back to the people who voted to come out of the European Union and said to them, is that what you wanted? Just to swap a load of immigrants from one country or one set of countries for another set of immigrants, my guess is that the vast majority of those people would say, no, that's not what we want. We wanted hard borders. We wanted to stop people coming into our country because we actually think it's bad for Britain. I might disagree with that view, but I think that's what the view they took was. And all I'm saying, Pete, is that for me, if you were to say to the European Union now, we'll go for that Norway option, economically, that would be much better for Britain. And knowing what we know now, I think that an awful lot of those people that voted to come out because of the immigration issue would actually accept that. What are the, the small businesses saying? The reason I ask that is I've got a pal who's got a small business in Liverpool who exports an awful lot. He is just shaking his head with disbelief at wondering what's going to happen and how many forms more he's going to have to fill in. Well, again, you know, I would say that what, business hate, whether you're small, medium or, or, or large enterprise, it is uncertainty. Uh, and where we are now is, has never been more uncertain. Nobody knows whether 
May's deal has got a chance of going through. No one knows what will come after that. Again, um, many people said that for exporters, wouldn't this be a great thing? Because, of course, the pound devalues. And so if you've got a weak pound, it often means that you can trade more of your goods abroad. Because, of course, the pound being cheap means that you know, you, you, you basically you, your customers are getting something a little bit on the cheap. So that was thought to be great news for exporters. But, of course, as Tony Blair so eloquently described last week, actually, it doesn't work that way because as soon as we exit the European Union, tariffs or the tax on our goods jumps massively. It spikes. So any advantage that may come from a, a devalued pound and it is only ever an advantage for exporters. Certainly no good for people like you and I who are trying to exchange currency for holidays and so forth. But even our exporters won't see the bounce that some people suggest that would happen. Putting your hat on and looking uh, to the future, um, if there was a general election and Labour got in, how could they change things? Well, I think the, the basically they've got two options. I think the first thing that a Labour government would do is they would go to the Commission and they would say, can we start the conversation afresh? We'd have to extend the Article 50 arrangements and therefore give ourselves a bit more time, of course, for those negotiations. You would not want those negotiations to go on, I would suggest, for any longer than six months, and that may be too long in some people's minds. Um, and then I think ultimately um, Corbyn, Macdonald and co. would actually say to the people of Britain, we think the best deal is the Norway option. Because Labour's objection, and there are people in the Labour Party who object to being members of the European Union, their objection is largely around um, the, reg the rules and regulations and the fact that the European Union can on occasion dictate what laws we have to accept and abide by. So the Norway option would be a good option for them because... It maintains free movement. Labour politicians don't largely have a problem with, with immigration and free movement, but it does give us back control of some of the laws that they would suggest we don't have control of now. I think the more likely scenario, though, Pete, is that, you know, Turkeys don't vote for Christmas. So the idea that Theresa May loses the vote and then loses a vote of no confidence in the Commons which triggers a general election, is about as likely as Everton ever winning as Anfield again. And I say that as an Evertonian who's been heartbroken today. So the fact is that we really are almost back at square one. And although I would think a people's vote is a great idea, the more likely conclusion to all of this is a compromise, which the Brits are great at, and the compromise, as I say, for me, is most likely to be that Norway option anyway. Frank, before you go, you mentioned Everton. I've got to tell you, three of my pals who are uh, Liverpoolians, completely and utterly um, LFC, uh, said that Everton played phenomenally today. They did. They played very well. Um, and they're playing against one of the best Liverpool teams that I've seen in, in a long, long time. Uh, I think it's credit to, to the new manager uh, and some of the players that he's brought into the club that, uh, they've been able to give Liverpool a game and, and go toe-to-toe -to -toe today, which was great to see. But unfortunately, 
Uh, as we all know, football is a results business, and if you don't get the results at the end of the day, and you're the supporter of the club that loses in the last minute, you're gutted. Doesn't matter how, how well your teams play. But uh, am I optimistic for the future? Yes. Um, and do I think that uh, Everton will be in Europe, whether we will be or not next season? Absolutely, I do. And to finish off, Frank, just going back to um, what we were talking about, what's your message to my listeners now? Uh, it's going to be a very interesting two weeks. What's your message to them as somebody who champions the uh, private sector? Well, I think that people have almost got Brexit fatigue. It's, you know, it's something that sometimes you see something that often, you see it being debated and discussed and conversations go, and you just think, oh, do you know what? Just get on with it. I'm bored of this now. I would just ask them for the, for the next two weeks to pay attention to what's being said. I know it's hard, I know it's complex, and it's complicated. But at the end of the day, the decision that we take about our future with the European Union will impact on, on us, not just for the next couple of years, but for the next 50 years. This is a generational change that we're talking about. So however fed up you've been with Brexit, this is actually the end game. As I say, I can't see this dragging on much beyond March now. And I think people need to know what we're getting into. And I promise you this, Pete, again, whether you voted remain or whether you voted leave, nobody but nobody voted for the deal that Theresa May is trying to get through the House of Commons at the moment. Frank McKenna, thank you very much.